This took place two years ago. I just recently turned 19. I was a college freshman going to school in a small town in South Louisiana. My parents were the pull yourself up by your bootstraps type. Having done their best to instill the strong work ethic in me growing up, they'd expect me to pay for my own tuition with no help from them whatsoever. Not gonna lie, I was a little annoyed at first. I didn't mind paying my own way, but I was concerned about the impact working all those hours would have on my social life, as I wanted the full college experience. I started working part-time as a waiter at a local seafood restaurant. Shifts were limited and tips were scarce. My dad recommended supplementing my income through yard work, saying I could use his riding lawnmower and leaf blower. Anyway, I started making pretty good money mowing lawns, managing to snag a few clients through word of mouth. My best friend Blaze was working as a cashier at a local corner store while he attended a nearby college. He happily recommended my lawn care service to any customer or coworkers. I was ecstatic. I was not only making enough money to pay for school, but I even had a little left over to get my beat up old truck some much needed repairs. He told me about a guy he worked with at the store, a slightly older guy, mid-twenties I believe. His name was Alex. He was quiet, didn't smile much, a bit of a loner type. It didn't matter to me, I was only looking to make cash. He said he needed someone to mow his front and backyard, as he didn't really have the time. He didn't really elaborate to what he did outside of working at the grocery store, but I guessed it wasn't much. So my friend gave me Alex's number. No big deal, right? After all, I was going to give it out to anyone who might have been even the least bit interested in my services. Turns out, that was the start of what would be a year-long nightmare. Alex texted me on Saturday morning, a day after my friend and I had talked. It was pretty cordial and simple, nothing more than, Hey man, what's up? Your friend told me that you cut grass. I gave him an affirmative and then asked if he would like me to come over and how frequently, given how often it rained here in South Louisiana. He simply told me to come over later that day and that he wasn't sure if he could afford me on a weekly basis. Whatever I thought, maybe we could work out some kind of arrangement. I immediately hopped out of bed, got dressed, and drove to where he lived, which was located on the far side of town across the bayou. His house wasn't located in the nicest of neighborhoods. Many of the houses were run down, seemingly in a state of disrepair. The yards were thick with grass, knee-high length if I remember correctly. I didn't think any of those people could afford to pay me even a quarter of what I charged at the time, which wasn't much, at around $45. I finally made my way to Alex's place, which didn't look all bad compared to the other houses. Horizontal siding painted a soft pastel blue, sat atop dark gray bricks, with a cracked bay window in the front. I parked my truck on the side of the street and shot him a text stating that I had arrived. He came out of his house in a wrinkled t-shirt and pajama pants, looking as if he just woke up. Hey, I said, smiling as I usually do. Rough night? I asked jokingly. He didn't respond, just blinked, and ran his hand through his dark blonde hair for what felt like an eternity, but realistically could have been less than a minute. We both stood in complete silence, his dark green eyes bore into me. I invert my gaze, catching sight of a fallen branch that had broken off a large oak tree in his front yard. 
We had just got hit by a hurricane a few days earlier. So how'd you guys weather the storm? I asked, my eyes affixed to the broken branches and scattered leaves. He simply shrugged and said, Okay. It occurred to me that I might have been speaking to the wrong person. You're Alex, right? You work with my friend at Village Market? He nodded. What the fuck was with this guy? I thought. I just kept smiling, as I always did when I would get especially nervous. I told him that I have a lot of clients to get to that day, and that I better get started as soon as possible. He just nodded and pointed to the back gate on the side of the house. He started walking, and I followed. It was a sizable backyard, children's toys scattered almost everywhere. There was a cluttered tool shed next to the fence far off to the left. I did my best to hide my disgust as I nearly stepped in some dog shit. It was weird. The backyard was like a minefield of dog shit, yet no dog to be found. I brushed the thought away and just went to work. Alex didn't bother me or really interact with me at all that day. He seemed really friendly via text. I just chalked it up to him being really socially awkward, like my friend said. He paid me once I finished mowing his lawn and then I went on my way. Later that night, he texted me again. He apologized for how he acted, saying that he was just tired from the night before and that he wasn't sleeping well and under a lot of stress. I replied that I understand completely and asked him if he needed me next week. He ignored my question and asked if I could suggest anything from Pelicans on the Bayou, the restaurant where I'd been working. At first, I was taken aback by the question. I wasn't sure how he knew I worked there, but then it occurred to me that my friend must have told him. I recommended the battered chicken wings, and he thanked me. We started texting back and forth the next few days. He asked me questions about my life. Nothing too personal. He'd make inappropriate jokes. Nothing I couldn't handle, though. He seemed like a pretty cool guy when we talked via text. Strangely, most of our conversations happened late at night or early in the morning hours on weekends. Again, I didn't mind, because he was a paying customer, and I was a friendly guy. About a month had passed when my friend Blaze had sent me a screenshot of a text he received from Alex. It was supposedly a text sent by me saying all sorts of horrible things to Alex like, He's a fucking loser who'd never get laid and needed to get a real job. Shit like that. I couldn't believe what I was reading. In the fake text, he even threw some homophobic slurs, which offended me greatly since I had a gay uncle that I was really close to. I decided it would be best just to ignore him. This guy was clearly unwell, trying to start shit with someone he barely knew. He texted me a few days later, acting as if he'd done nothing wrong. The text kept coming. He chatted with me like we were longtime friends. My patience grew thin. I finally snapped and messaged him back. Dude, I know what you did. If you know what's best for you, you'll leave me alone. He feigned ignorance at first and then proceeded to apologize profusely. I didn't care at that point. I didn't know that guy at all. He was nothing to me. I was busy with my school and work, and I had absolutely no time for any of his drama. I blocked his number. I thought I was over, but I couldn't have been more wrong. A few weeks later, I received another text, this time from a completely different number. It was Alex, again with more apologies. I blocked the number. I figured that he would finally take the hint and leave me alone. He didn't. He ended up adding me on Snapchat using the fake profile. 
I accepted his request. The name looked familiar, so I thought nothing of it. He asked me if I still worked at Pelicans. I told him that I didn't, as they kept cutting my hours. He then asked if I was still cutting grass. I told him that I was, but for only close friends and family members, as I had a bad experience with a former client. He then proceeds to ask me for details. By then, I figured out it was Alex. I told him to leave me alone, and that if he didn't, I was going to the police. I then received a text from my girlfriend at the time, asking me if I knew a guy named Troy. He supposedly saw me cheating with another girl at some party. I told her everything that was going on. She wasn't sure if she believed me, as I did have a history of playing the field. I told her that I was completely faithful to her, and this guy was fucking nuts. She told me that I better start collecting evidence, taking screenshots of his texts he sent, and that's exactly what I started doing. Most of the texts were pretty benign, just more of him asking me for forgiveness. Then late, one Saturday night, he sent me another text. This time, it was a picture of my house. I was drinking with a few buddies of mine at the time, Blaze included. I immediately showed them the text. He suggested that we call the cops. Some of my more aggressive friends suggested we go outside and beat his ass. I wasn't sure what to do. I didn't really want to get the cops involved, but I certainly didn't want to go outside, not knowing if he had a weapon of some kind. I told everyone to just stay in the house and not to do anything. I peeked through the blinds and saw nothing. He couldn't have been there for long. He must have left as soon as he had taken the picture. I didn't hear from him for a few weeks. Blaze, along with the other two cashiers, asked to not work the same shift with Alex. I was hoping maybe it was finally over. Maybe he moved on to someone else. Then on a cold, early October evening, I came home from class to find my mother shaken. I'd never seen her like that before. I asked her what was wrong. She was speechless, trembling almost. She showed me what she found laying on her front porch. It was a large manila envelope with Instagram pictures of me with my eyes scratched out and red X's drawn on my face. A chill went down my spine. I don't think I've ever been this afraid in my life, like I had never known real fear up until that point. My mom insisted that we go to the police. I agreed. She ended up talking to a close family friend who knew the sheriff. A couple of officers came to the house, took our statements, told us that if Alex ever came by again, to call them immediately. I didn't hear from Alex again after that. He was fired from the grocery store. The owner caught him stealing from the register. Life went on, months went by, and I felt like I could finally breathe again. Then one day, when I was running errands for my mom, I saw Alex standing on the side of the road. He was holding up a clipboard sign, asking for money. He locked eyes with me. They were cold and emotionless. I could feel that familiar shiver creeping up my spine. It was as if everything had came to a complete standstill. After I regained my senses, I sped off, hoping that that would be the last I ever see of him. So I work in a pretty busy part of my city, and when we close and I begin to drive home towards the less busy neighborhoods, I will occasionally catch a car behind me that follows me almost all the way home. Not every time, but always the same car, a mid-sized silver SUV. But every time, right before I go from aware to hyper-aware, they turn off onto a side street. 
We're talking about going from 41st Street to like 8th through several turns and the car's generally a car length behind me. Tonight is a Friday and folks are being dicks, tailgating, honking on a busy road. I almost get rear-ended before I turn off towards the residential part, but I don't think too much of it until I realize that the car that almost hit mine is now a half block behind me. The car follows me, again, a half a block behind, but they keep flipping their brights on. At first, I think it's an optical illusion, like when you crest a hill and the road ahead gets brighter for a second, but then I realize it's consistent on flat roads. So I think, shit, my lights aren't on? But nope, they were. Now I'm moving from hyper aware to scared, I turn onto my cute little street and they have shortened the distance to a car behind and follow my turn. Of course, I drive past my house thinking about what busy gas station I will be driving to while I call the police. Then the car is gone. One last bright flash and then they fucking disappear. I circle the neighborhood twice hoping it's just a neighbor but nope, the car is gone. And I hope to the gods I don't see them tomorrow. At the time, I assumed that they were after me, but looking back, maybe they had something else worse in mind. I was sitting at a public park, eating some food from the bakery. I was with my one-year-old, and she was in her stroller. I didn't have a car at the time, so we walked to the park, which was a 20-minute walk or so. I did notice two men in a little truck pass by me and look at me while we ate. No big deal. And then, they passed another time. I still don't think too much of it until my walk home. I was at the park for a while, so when I saw them again when I was walking home, alarms did go up. Why were they still driving around? A lot of people drive through the park, as it's a public park, but for that long? As I walk down the long street towards what turns off into mine, I see them sitting there on the side of the road just ahead of me, obviously waiting for me to pass. So I turn back to the park and decide to take the long way into the neighborhood. As I walk a bit into the neighborhood, I just happened to turn around to see them stopped looking at me. It was extremely hot outside and I hated not having a car, so needless to say, them forcing me to take the long way home by being creeps pissed me off. It was a dumb decision looking back, but I stuck my middle finger at them. They took off, so I continued walking down the street until I actually saw them at the end of the street I was on. It took them a minute or two to get there, so I thought I was in the clear. I panicked and actually knocked on someone's door. The lady had her husband give me a ride home and he searched for them before dropping me off. Sadly, I didn't see them again. I was actually starting to cry and was really scared by the time I knocked on the door, but since the guys disappeared, I wonder if they thought I made it up for a free ride home. I never saw them again and I avoided the park for a while. There were two guys sitting in a two-seater little truck so I'm not sure if they were harassing me for fun or had plans to kidnap us in that teeny truck. I will never know. Being followed was extremely scary though, and especially having my baby with me. I always assumed that they were after me, but maybe they actually wanted to kidnap my baby. They might have just been messing with me, but either way, it was a very scary experience. The events I'm about to tell you happened when I was just 18 years old, fresh out of high school, living on my own for the first time in my life. 
Looking back at the situation in hindsight, I should have gone to the police. I worked at a children's clothing store called Justice. I was working a typical shift, 8am to 4pm, when a pretty atypical customer strolled into the store. Right off the bat, he gave me major creep vibes. He was a dirty, smelly, upper middle aged balding guy who didn't even have a child in tow. Definitely not something I'm used to seeing in this particular store. He didn't seem generally interested in the merchandise, only showing interest in the few of the displays anytime I would look over at him. I could feel his eyes on me as soon as I would go back to stalking. The manager, also picking up on his sketchy vibes, scared him off with her aggressive hospitality. I found it super weird that he refused to make eye contact with her while she asked him if he needed any help finding anything. He just shook his head and said no and left in a hurry. I saw him walk past the storefront once or twice after he left, but since this justice was located in a small strip mall, it wasn't that weird so I didn't give it a second thought. I made a mental note of it though. Since at this point, the whole staff had been talking about the greasy odd sketchball and my manager, who had been equal eyeing him the whole time, pulled me aside and confirmed to me in private that my suspicions had been correct. He had been staring at me the whole time I wasn't looking at him. That had happened considerably early in my shift, and by the end of the day, after dealing with multiple Karens, the sketchball was far from my mind. I clocked out, headed out into the parking lot, got in my car, and started driving the 7 mile drive home. About halfway home, I looked in my rearview mirror to see a white truck with a plow on the front of it, right behind me. The only thing that struck me as odd at first was that it was midsummer and this person had a plow on the front of their Toyota. The windows were tinted so dark that I could barely make out the outline of the driver. Suddenly, I got a sinking feeling as I remembered the sketchy greasy guy. I decided to see if I was just being paranoid or if this person was trying to follow me. I'm sure I'm not the only paranoid person who has tried to make a bunch of nonsensical turns to shake off a theoretical tale. Only, unlike other times when I played shake the tail, this person actually managed to stay on me. After about the fifth turn down a random avenue, my gut twisted into knots as I watched the Toyota slowly creep around the corner I rounded. I had circled the block twice, and still the white truck with a plow and tinted windows was behind me. Just far enough away that I still felt like I was being just a little crazy. I decided to try one last test to determine for sure if this was just a trick of my imagination or something to actually be worried about. I winded my way out of the avenues and decided to pull off the side of the road into a little turnaround beside a local bar. I was hoping and praying with all my might that this truck would just go by, still clinging to the slimming chance that this was all in my head. I let out an audible gasp as the white truck slowly pulled up right behind me now. I saw the driver's side door open and floated out of there before I saw anything else. Heart racing at this point, I floated back up a different set of avenues, finally stopping at a stop sign when I felt that I was in the clear. To my horror, I heard the haunting roar of the engine with a pedal to the metal. Seconds later, seeing the white truck with the plow on the front coming so fast up the avenues that it launched slightly into the air as it passed me at the intersection, flying down a particular no outlet road. I took my chance and turned left onto the road that the truck had came from, figuring that they were going to have to turn around in someone's driveway before continuing the pursuit. I drove white knuckle clenching the steering wheel the whole way back to my town, constantly checking my rearview mirror for the white truck that I never saw again. 
I even circled my own block for an hour after that, fearing that the person was somewhere, watching me, waiting to see which house I pulled into. Once the situation was over, I naively brushed it off without so much as a police statement. The more time went by, the more the whole situation seemed like a bad joke. I never found out who was in the truck. That person might not have been the greasy guy after all. At the time, I didn't take the incident very seriously. When I got home, I told my boyfriend at the time, and he shrugged it off, so I did too. It wasn't the first creepy thing to happen to me, or the last. Disturbing you to think it's not uncommon for young girls and boys to find themselves in similar situations. There was this girl in my neighborhood who I had been friends with since the 4th grade, when I switched school districts. She was a great below me and seemed like a nice enough girl. We talked on the bus frequently until I didn't see her for a year when I went up to middle school in 6th grade and she was still in 5th. I didn't see or hear from her in that stretch of time. When her and I finally crossed paths again, it was on the bus just as it had been before. At first, she seemed like the same friend I used to know. We had definitely drifted apart, but I tried to make up for the lost time. I soon came to the realization though that she was a bit weirder than the last time we talked. She acted strangely, constantly trying to strike up conversations or poking her head up over the bus seats like a gopher looking at me. I was really weirded out and tried to cut down the verbal conversations with her to the bare minimum. You'd think that this was just a normal goofy middle schooler acting like they always do and that things can't really escalate. I thought that too, that is, until her brother came into the picture. We'll call the girl Jenny, and we'll call her older brother Jake. Now, Jenny was a year younger than me, but her brother was three years older than me. He was a 10th grader at the time. A year before, I had sat on the bus with Jake since some idiot decided to steal my seat when I got on at the end of the day. At first, I thought I would be fine, and maybe I'd get along with him. After all, he was known to be a decent kid who was super nerdy and introverted, much like myself. The thing is, I didn't know to what extent this was true. Within minutes of me sitting there, he was trying to tell me nerdy jokes, and believe me, it wasn't as fun as it sounds. They were so dry and bland, it was painful. I kept checking my phone to see what time it was because I couldn't wait to get off the bus and get away from this guy. I myself was awkward, but not nearly as awkward as this dude. When the bus finally got to our stop, I hightailed it out of there and never sat with him again for the rest of the year. Even when it came to a day where there were two people already sitting in my seat, I squeezed in. But anyways, back to 7th grade. So not only was I trying to avoid contact with Jenny, now her brother comes into play. Somehow, over the last year, he started to develop somewhat of a obsession with me. I didn't want to believe it at first, but the signs became clear pretty quickly. One day, Jenny's head popped over the seat and she told me she wanted me to draw a portrait. I asked her of who and who it was for. Her response made my blood run cold. Jake asked if you could draw him a portrait of yourself. He would like to have a picture of you and he knows that you're an artist. I have always been the artsy and creative one in my school, even being voted most artistic of my senior class this year. It came as no surprise that he knew I was great at drawing. It did surprise me though that he wanted me to draw a picture of myself for him. I mean, who does that? Who even asked for that? That's just really weird and immediately raised red flags in my head. 
I told her no, that I wouldn't, and she told me that Jake would probably be upset. I wonder why he wouldn't just ask me himself, but heck, he probably knew my answer would be no. He might have even figured it would sound creepy if he himself were to directly ask that of me. It didn't stop there though. There was a few other times like that where Jenny would ask me something that her brother wanted to know. I would rarely give her answers, and if I did, it was a vague one at that. Then, I became more observant on the bus rides to and from school. I would be sleeping with my head propped up against the window, when suddenly I would wake up because I felt as if I was being watched. I would turn around, and sure enough, Jake was staring at me with a blank expression. I tested this, just to see if it was a one-time occurrence. Over the next few weeks, I would spontaneously whip my head around at random times to see if he was looking at me. Each time, I caught him in the act, his dead blue eyes intensely gazing at me, his face devoid of emotion. But a few times, I could have sworn I saw a smug look behind those piercing eyes. It was at this point that I began to feel that the bus was not safe. This guy was seriously weirding me out, and there was no end in sight. My grades began to suffer in school, and at the time, I thought it was because I didn't grasp the concepts in class. But looking back on it, this probably factored into it. One day, things went too far. The bus pulled up to our stop to let us off for the night, and I immediately started speed walking as soon as I hit the street. My house was up on a long stretch of road uphill, and then I would turn and go up an even longer hill of a driveway to reach my house. Therefore, I had quite a trek before I reached the safety of my abode. So I'm speed walking up the street when all of a sudden I hear Jenny call out, Hey Jimmy, you better run. I was extremely confused, then I saw him, running across the three set of yards. Jake sprinted over to me from his house, which was diagonal from mine, about a block away. I freaked out and walked even faster. I don't know why, probably because of my fear, but I couldn't run. He caught up to me and slowed down, walking beside me. In his terribly awkward manner, he tried to make small talk, but utterly failed. I can't even remember what he said, probably asking me how my day was, but I didn't care. I just wanted to get away from the stalker. He kept walking with me up the street, even when I crossed the road to the stretch that led to my house. For some reason, my brain wasn't functioning properly. I prolonged my experience by stopping at our mailbox to see if there was mail. Grabbing the newspaper, I told him that I had to go, and then I walked to the edge of my driveway and started hiking up. He watched me for a few seconds before shouting goodbye and dashing back across the street. As soon as I knew he was gone, I started running full speed up the hill to my house, unlocked the door, and threw myself inside. I ran upstairs to where my mom was sitting on the couch in the living room and had a breakdown. I was in tears, terror filling my brain not knowing what to do, and spilled everything to my mom. I had kept her up to date with the weird going-ons, and at this point, she had decided it didn't warrant anything needing to be done. But him following me to my house, that was enough for her. She called my school and immediately got the vice principal involved, who also filled in the main principal. The vice principal told my bus driver, who then switched my seat to be closer to her, and forbade Jenny and Jake from talking or sitting near me on the bus from then on. The main principal then contacted one of the assistant principals at the high school and had him pull Jake out of class and question him, while he pulled Jenny out of her class to do the same. 
Both my parents and their parents were called in for a meeting, and to our horror, his parents even knew about it. They said for months now, Jake had been obsessing over me, confirming what we all thought. No matter what they were doing, whether it was eating dinner or relaxing, he only ever brought up one topic, me. Ultimately, two conclusions were reached. Jenny was really just a pawn in Jake's weird obsession and hadn't really done anything wrong besides just being a strange girl. Jake, while his actions had seemed suspicious and creepy to my friends, parents, and myself, were deemed as the actions of a socially awkward high schooler who was harmless. They figured that all he was was just a guy who didn't know how to make friends and found someone who he wanted to be friends with but didn't know how to go about it. I just found it strange that they said this, all while knowing that his parents had admitted they were scared by how obsessed he was of me. I still don't know what to believe. I don't think he was just an awkward guy looking to make a friend. He mainly scarred me, and now I'm insanely selective about what male friends I have. This, unfortunately, isn't the last time I was stalked by an older guy, but that's a story for another time. The strangest thing is, and what really creeps me out is something that happened a couple of months after Jake was banned from being around me. My sister and I were outside in the yard playing around, doing some fantasy game we had came up with, when suddenly out of the corner of my eye I noticed something. Our yard had a lot of pine trees at the time, and there were two specially lined up at our playground. Well, I looked down and saw two sneakers with sweatpants sagging over the tops, sticking out from under the branches at the bottom. I was silent, cutting off whatever I had been saying to my sister and pointed out the shoes to her. Her face went white. I pointed to her house and she nodded. We both ran like the hounds of hell were on our heels and slammed the front door shut behind us. We told my mom and we went outside to check to see whoever was standing in the trees was still there, but they were gone. No signs of anyone being out there. My mom thought I was hallucinating, and I would have too, if it wasn't for the fact that my sister had saw it as well. I have a feeling that it was Jake in the trees. It honestly wouldn't surprise me. We didn't report this to the school since we had no evidence, but this always haunted me. My sister and I rarely played outside after that. We were too creeped out by the day's events. I only ever saw Jake a few times after that, when I was a freshman and he was a senior. And occasionally, I'd be walking the opposite way from him, in the halls. When that would happen, I would just look down at the floor until I was sure he was gone. I never wanted to chance a conversation with him. But after he graduated, I never saw him again. Jenny gradually became more normal. And by the time she was a freshman, I forgave her, and we became friends again. We aren't as close as we used to be, but she's a decent enough person now, and isn't stalkerish. And that's how I was stalked by a high schooler when I was in middle school. An event that scarred my young mind and is still fresh as ever in my head. So to the weird, socially awkward dude who decided to obsess about me for months on end, I hope I never see you again. I'm a 23 year old female. I was born in a small town in the middle of nowhere and raised to always be polite to everyone. Engage in conversations if someone wants so, and to not make a scene in public, but rather always handle things quietly, so not to disturb anyone else. This might work in small towns where everyone knows everyone, and nobody really is a threat. But when I moved to a big city to get my bachelor's degree, 
I soon had to learn that be nice and always answer everyone might not be the best way to go in every case. This particular encounter happened in my second week in the new city when I was at the mall getting a few clothes and supplies. I had basically moved with nearly nothing. Always being surrounded by a large group of strangers was a new thing for me and to be honest it was quite intimidating at first but I soon felt comfortable with the anonymity it provided. Until that day when I noticed someone was staring at me, not just looking but really staring while slightly smiling. I was 19 at the time and maybe not ugly but definitely not someone that got regularly stared at so I didn't really know how to react since it was a kind of attention I've never gotten before. This guy was probably in his late 20s and looked pretty normal but still it made me feel really uncomfortable and self-conscious. I suddenly tried to check if my zipper was open or my makeup was smudged and maybe that could be the reason why he looked at me. After I could rule out these possibilities and arrived on the upper floor of the mall, I decided just to ignore him and get my stuff done. Well, that premise soon failed as he managed to cut me off right when I was about to enter the store. He introduced himself. Let's call him Steve for this story. He told me that he thought I was pretty and wanted to get to know me. I wasn't interested since I got strange vibes from him, so I politely told him that I was flattered, but not interested. Steve then got very pushy about it, insisted that he would go buy us coffee and afterwards I could still turn him down and how I couldn't possibly say I wasn't interested if I didn't give him a chance. I tried to say no a few more times but he kept on trying to convince me until I decided to let him buy me coffee. I hoped it would be easier to get out of if he got his way. I know this is absolutely frustrating to hear because it's frustrating writing this but just the way I was raised, the sheer anxiety led me to believe that this was the only solution and that everyone always has the best in mind and that maybe he was even right. Looking back, I was incredibly naive and just plain stupid. So if you're screaming at the screen right now, just know that I do too and I've since learned and know better. So we went to the most McDonald's to get coffee and I soon began to realize that this decision was stupid. He let me lead the way, following me closely, so even if I tried at this point, there was no possible way to discreetly vanish into the crowd. It wouldn't have felt much different if he had held a gun in my back, I thought at that moment. So we get our coffees, sat down at a table far away from the entrance, but not too far in the back, so the bathroom was still in the other direction than the entrance. Plan B, to just quickly go to the bathroom, but actually leave, was now impossible to do since he had a good view of the bathroom doors from his seat. So we sat there and talked, actually he talked, and I quietly drank my coffee. It was as awkward as it could possibly be. I tried to be hella boring so that he would lose interest, just randomly giving short answers and being on my phone, sending my location to a friend of mine just in case and scrolling through Facebook. Steve couldn't be irritated by my behavior and kept on talking about how he was only in the city for some weeks now because of his work and about stuff he did for his job. I didn't get all of it because we weren't from the same country and he spoke with a very heavy accent. I also didn't really pay attention to everything. He seemed sort of genuine though, not necessarily as if he had bad intentions, just generally very very pushy. So at one point I made a huge mistake and giggled at something I saw on my phone and when he asked I showed him the post on Facebook. This gets relevant later on. When I had finished my cup I excused myself 
thanked Steve for the coffee, but told him I still wasn't interested. I still thought that being nice was the best way to get rid of him as quick as possible without making him angry or something. The last thing I wanted to do was cause a scene or make the situation even more uncomfortable. So I made my way to the exit when he gently but firmly grabbed my arm and started walking beside me to the exit while telling me that we should exchange numbers and ask what my plans were for the rest of the day. At this point, my mood started shifting from uncomfortable to afraid. Unfortunately, my instinct in critical situations is neither fight or flight, but more like deer in the headlights. So I froze and said the first thing that came to my mind after looking around for a second. Opposite to the McDonald's we were in was a huge bookstore that stretched over two floors and had a huge space on both of them. From an earlier visit, I had seen the layout of the store and knew that there was a lot of corners and shelves. You could easily and quickly get out of someone's sight and it's also fairly crowded at this time of the day. So I told Steve, still nice and nonchalantly, that my favorite author had published a book recently and I couldn't wait to get it, so I was going to visit the bookstore. Steve answered with something along the lines of, Great, let's go there. I haven't read a book for way too long, and told me that he would pay for mine. So we entered the bookstore and I sort of look around, read some descriptions, and encouraged him to also look around, but he wouldn't leave my side. I tried to distract him by giving him the books I looked at so that he would have to look at them and put them back on the shelves while I was already on the move to the next shelf. I did this in an always increasing speed until I noticed he couldn't really keep up for any longer and was visibly confused and a little overwhelmed. As soon as he paid more attention to the books than me, I freaking booked it out of there, pun absolutely intended. I almost ran through the store, hiding behind bookshelves, peeking out and checking if he followed me, simultaneously feeling like a super cool secret agent and the biggest idiot of all time. At one point, I could actually see him moving quickly through the store looking for me. I arrived at the counter in the back of the store where you could pick up reserved books and the girl that was working there saw me. I just said, someone's following me. Without missing a beat, she opened the little door that led behind the counter and with a movement of her hand, told me to get inside. I did and ducked under the counter and tried not to make a single sound. The employee continued working as normal and actually seemed as if there were scared little girls sitting under her desk hiding from creeps all the damn time. After a while, she casually said, 5'11", short, dark brown hair, brown eyes, flannel and jeans, and I needed a moment to realize that she was talking to me and describing Steve. I nodded, and she told me that he was here some minutes ago, obviously looking for something. But she had saw him leave through the front doors, which she could see in the distance. She also told me how she got bad vibes from him, and instantly knew it was him who was following me. She told me that I could stay under there until I felt safe. I took the offer, and we talked a bit. Just small talk, really, about how our days were, and she recommended me some of her favorite books. When I got up from under the counter, I actually bought one of the books she recommended and read it some weeks later. I loved it. When I went home, I was looking around carefully since I was still trembling from the earlier adrenaline and was afraid someone could start following me or Steve was still around somewhere and actually found me again. The anonymity of the city no longer gave me comfort but made me anxious. 
I desperately wanted someone around that I knew and who could give me the feeling of safety again. But I didn't really know anyone here yet. So I called my best friend to just talk to her and finally tell her about the reason I sent her my location earlier. Later that day, I had a new friend request and many messages in my inbox. My stomach turned when I read the name, Steve, and realized that he must have found me by my profile picture or something, which he saw earlier when I showed him the Facebook post. You can be sure I blocked him instantly, locked my door extra carefully that night, and didn't close my eyes for a minute. I didn't hear from him again until I saw him almost a year later on the bus I take on my way home every day. I noticed him the same way I did the first time in the mall. I felt him staring and smiling at me. He tried to get through to me, walked beside me when I got off the bus, and talked to me. But this time I ignored him and told the next huge guy that crossed my way that this Steve guy was harassing me. Thankfully, only a glance of that guy and the fact that I didn't let it be a private issue, but made it sort of public by involving a third party, it was enough to scare Steve off. I don't know if it was a coincidence that he was on the same bus as me, or if he somehow got to know the district I lived in, but I never saw him again, this time for good. Was he trying to harm me? Did he have bad intentions? Or was he just trying to make a friend and had absolutely no clue how to do so? Were we possibly utterly lost in translation? I don't know, but luckily there's a few things that I do know now. After I had been in this situation, I have spoken about this encounter a few times, but always made it out to be this funny story where some guy followed me and I had to hide in the corner of a bookstore to get rid of him. It's just how I deal with scary things. I make them funny. People always laugh, but this is not funny at all. Every second of it was absolutely terrifying, and I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. I felt scared. I felt unsafe. I felt like my privacy was invaded, and it really put a damper on my first excitement about living in the city. It also massively changed the way I talk to people, and the way I just walk around town. It doesn't matter how many times your mother told you to be polite and quiet, it's just not always the solution. If you don't feel safe, if you don't want something, don't agree to it just for the sake of politeness. Being polite doesn't mean letting a stranger overstep your boundaries and make you feel uncomfortable. If you can't make it out of the situation quietly, don't be afraid to raise your voice and get attention or by asking others for help. Don't be afraid you can make it feel uncomfortable for someone by doing this. Most people are nice and will actually help you. Wrong politeness and silence won't save you. But Natalie from behind the counter in a bookstore and a random intimidating guy on his way home most definitely will. Natalie and the bearded guy, if you're out there, you're heroes and I adore you. Nobody, especially not a stranger, is entitled to your attention. If you don't want to talk to them, don't fucking talk to them, no matter how much they try to push you or convince you. Even if it hurts their feelings or they say that you will change your mind about them. In this case, there's no trying to say no. There's only saying no. Don't make the same mistakes I made when I was 19 and so ridiculously naive. Treat people with respect, but also treat yourself and your own feelings, boundaries, and concerns with respect. To add, One of Us is Lying by Karen McManus is an insanely good book and everyone should read it. Natalie says so too. Now I no longer joke about this and it actually makes me really uncomfortable thinking about but I'm also sort of glad this happened to raise my awareness in these situations and that in the end, 
nothing more serious happened. When I was around 12, my mom, sister, and I were driving through our neighborhood. Now to understand what makes this encounter chilling is that we lived in the middle of nowhere. We only had around two neighbors, and each of them were around a mile away. We were driving through the woods to get to our house, and as we pulled onto our road that our house is on, we saw a man standing in the woods just in front of the tree line. He was wearing a winter coat and a beanie, even though it was in the middle of June. That alone gave me bad vibes. But, as we pulled into the driveway, he moved towards our yard. He then started pacing back and forth in front of our driveway, preventing my mother from leaving. He seemed completely out of it, and to this day, I still think he was heavily under the influence of drugs. My mom had three kids and wasn't dying, so she called the police. As we were waiting, he kept pacing back and forth and swiftly glancing up at us. He clearly wanted us out of the car, but my mom waited for the police. As the squad car pulled onto our street, the man bolted into the woods. The cops never found him. This story is not as creepy as others here, but it's been freaking me out. I have a black German Shepherd named Lucy, who is very reactive to other dogs, and sometimes people. Due to this, I walk her after 10pm to avoid dogs and people. I live in a relatively safe neighborhood. My apartment community is tightly knit, with small parks in the middle. Last night, I walked Lucy around 11.30. This was a great time for me to walk her because there weren't any dogs out, and it's extremely rare to see anyone walking at a time. As I am walking her, a military green colored SUV comes towards me and then slows down next to me. I look up to make sure I get a good look. I always make it a rule to acknowledge and remember people's cars that pass by. The car eventually stops next to me and I can make out that there's two men in the front. When I turn to look, they smile. I just turn away and continue my walk and then they drive away, but they are the only thing that's on my mind now. I sped walk across the street to the street that my apartment's on, but as I cross, I hear the SUV. They had made a U-turn back towards me. I'm thinking about all the things that could go wrong. They could pull up next to me and try to do something. They might hurt Lucy. As my heart is beating on my chest, two girls come out of the building next to me and make their way to the cars that were right near me. At this point, the SUV drives past me and stops at a red light. They make another U-turn and come to a full stop facing me across the street. I walk down, continuing to stare at them, trying to get a better look. I can't see them very clearly because there is a median on the road with tall plants. I make a right into the apartment entrance, and as I make a right, they drive away. I'm honestly not sure if I was followed, but if I wasn't, then that was the worst coincidence. The most annoying part for me was that I almost froze if it hadn't been for those girls, and I felt so unprepared even though I take precautions. I'm now looking into self-defense classes. I used to live in a small suburb with many middle class families and three bedroom houses. Least scary place you could live 
and the crime was mainly teenagers doing stupid things and drugs. We lived a block away from the local convenience store, and when I was 10 or 11, my dad sent me to get some snacks. I was pissed. It was the middle of the day on a weekend, and I wanted to be playing, not fetching Doritos, but I went after arguing with my dad. My sister felt bad as my dad had been a jerk, so she volunteered to go with me. This was an incredibly sweet gesture that actually saved me. We went to the store, grabbed the snacks, and left. On our way back from the store, a short walk, we were on the opposite side of the street from our block and coming up to a giant hedge in the neighbor's yard. It was huge from lack of trimming, and as we approach it, my sister starts to freak out. We had been chatting about whatever we had been chatting about, and she stopped mid-sentence, grabbed my arm, and started pulling me across the street, saying, Let's go. We gotta cross. I tried to stop her and ask her what was wrong. Thought she had some health concerns or something, and we were within sight distance of our house. We had always been taught to walk at the crosswalk, so when she started pulling me across the middle of the street, I was trying to tell her that we weren't at the crosswalk yet. I kept asking her what was wrong, but had stopped fighting her as I wanted us to both cross the street safely. She kept saying, wait. We were now standing in front of our neighbor's house, and she turns me around and points at the bush and says, wait. Less than 30 seconds of us standing there, a man in his 20s or 30s starts to slowly climb out of the bushes, dressed head to toe in black. He is looking all around him, nervously to check if anyone's watching him. Almost fully out of the bush, he sees us watching him and takes off running down the street into the neighborhood. Turns out, my sister saw the bushes move as we approached and thought it was weird. As we got closer, she saw that there was a man in the bushes and knew he was up to no good. I'm so thankful that she was with me that day. I would have never seen him. I would have still been pissed and grumbling that I had to go to the store in the first place, and I don't like to imagine what would have happened. My mom was 20 years old living alone in an apartment in a relatively safe suburb in Southern California during the late 70s. My dad lived about 15 minutes away with his parents and they had been dating for a year when she began having troubles at her place. She would arrive home from work in the evening with her TV turned onto a channel with static at full volume. Other things in her home obviously had been touched, like the doors closed, opened, that weren't when she left, or her refrigerator wide open. She called the police, but since nothing was taken, there wasn't much attention paid to her concerns. This happened a few times a week for about a month before it escalated. My parents were talking on the phone and doing the stereotypical lovebird process of saying goodbye on the phone by each repeating goodbye rather than being the first one to hang up. My mom said bye, my dad said bye, and the third voice whispered, Goodbye, on the line. My dad said, I'll be there in two minutes, and handed the phone to his mom to stay on the line. My mom cowered in fear while my dad sped from his house and arrived to find my mom sobbing on her couch. She assumed the person was in another room in her home, but was too scared to run outside and hang up the phone. When my dad got there, he went through the whole house, ready to strangle the person, as they both assumed that he was hiding somewhere. When nobody was found, they called the police. The investigators told my mom that whoever it is wants to scare you and let you know that they could if they wanted to. 
They also suggested my dad was most likely the culprit and asked questions about their relationship. A couple days went by, but nothing happened until one night when they were driving from a date. My dad realized that they were being followed and tailgated. He stopped the car at the red light and ran to the driver's door of the car that had been following them. The driver's window was down and my dad put his hands on the guy's collar momentarily before realizing that the guy was just hammered drunk and frantically slurring an apology and was seemingly just following the lights in front of him but was not the intruder. A couple weeks after the incident, the same thing began happening to another woman in the complex and the cops determined that it was the son of the property manager who had keys to every unit and also had access to the telecommunications that allowed him to essentially tap the residents' phones. My parents moved in together and left that complex shortly after, but the guy was never arrested given the crime was essentially breaking and entering and the police discouraged pressing charges and suggested they move on. This happened a few years ago, so I don't have all the details perfectly accurate. So I'm male and was 12 at the time. So quite a few years ago, I was walking home from a trip to my local downtown, about a five minute walk from my house at the time. I was with my friend that was eight years old when we noticed a 1990s black sedan moving behind us. We thought nothing of it because we literally crossed the street from the police station and were only a block away from my house. A few seconds pass when the driver pulls to the side of the road adjacent to my friend and I and rolls down his window. He hesitates for a moment and then asks if we've seen a cat anywhere, describing a gray cat with green eyes. Since I hadn't, I replied, no. He then states that he was hard of hearing and beckoned us towards his car so that he could hear us better. He looked to be in his 20s or 30s, so I highly doubt that he had hearing problems. My stranger danger senses shot up instantly as my mother had just warned me about this days prior. My friend, being much younger, he's also my neighbor. I wasn't actively seeking people much younger than me. Well anyway, he starts to approach him. Luckily, I grabbed him by his arm just in time and quietly told him to stay behind me since I was older. I told the guy that we would keep an eye out for it and to have a good day. But again, he asked us to approach his car so he could hear us. At this point, I was straight up panicking, so I quickly waved goodbye and walked towards our house. It was visible at this point. This is where it gets bad. We continued walking home, crossing the final crosswalk before my block. I turned my head because I didn't see him pass us. Lo and behold, he was crawling along the road trying to match our pace with his vehicle. He began trying to get us to stop. At this point, my heart is racing. I was even more scared because I was responsible for my friend. We began running because this was truly terrifying. We didn't run long because I had asthma and my friend was plus size, so he didn't struggle to stay on our trail. After what felt like an eternity, we stepped into my driveway, but oh no, he wasn't done yet. He began to pull into my driveway. Before we had a chance to react, he put his car in park and started opening the door. Luckily, my mom, who was 37, was able to see this part of the encounter as she was in the kitchen, which had a direct view of the driveway. She hurried out to meet us in the driveway and escorted us into the house. My mom came back out to talk with him, but he panicked and drove off as fast as he could. Thank goodness that my mom was there because we might not have been able to make it into the door before he snatched us.
I feel like sharing this episode that happened to me because it still sticks with me to this day and makes me wonder what if. Back in July 2019, I started my new job, the job I'm currently employed at. This job required me to spend three weeks of training in a detached division of the company, which I had to reach by underground because it was physically impossible to park there. My training started later in the morning, but because of public transportation, I used to get there a lot earlier, and I wasn't allowed to come or go as I pleased in this particular office, so I just had to wait outside in the scorching sun and unbearable July heat until my training actually started. This was like a two or three hour wait. To avoid being completely unpresentable, smelly and sweaty on the job, after about a week or so, I started hanging out in this nice cafe nearby, had breakfast, enjoying the air conditioning, and passing the time working a bit. At first it was going okay. I had spent time on my computer with a coffee. I noticed a barista, male, around my age, glancing at me from time to time but never really paid too much attention to it. This place was often empty at this time, and most customers were tourists. After a few days, the barista mustered up enough courage to come talk to me. At first he was polite and kinda nice, chatting about the weather or whatnot. After a bit, he asked me my name, which I was smart enough not to give him, and I told him a fake name. He soon started asking me personal questions like, where do you work at? Where do you live? Do you have a boyfriend? To which I replied yes, and he told me, but he's not right here now, is he? He laughed. I did not. Something about him just fell off, but I was stupid enough not to tell him he was making me uncomfortable. I was a people pleaser, and I was positive that he was just fucking around because he never asked for my phone number or social media profile. I told myself, it's just one week and that's it, and I'll never have to come back here again. I never gave him a hint that I was interested in him. I thought I could handle it. I was wrong. The next day I walked in and he just plain gave me a free snack. I told him no, that he didn't have to, but he insisted. He didn't make me pay for breakfast. One morning I went with a male coworker and this fucking creep started glaring at him, ignoring him, and charging him for his own breakfast while offering mine for free, with snacks and all, shoving them in my hands. At this point, I was embarrassed and irritated and finally told him that he was making me feel uncomfortable. He just said, you don't have to reject my offerings or else I'll really get mad. I thought, fuck this dude and swore that I'd never go back again. At this point, I only had one more day until my training ended. On the last day, I walked past the cafeteria with my coworker I mentioned earlier, but we didn't walk in. As we were about to cross the street, the coworker whispered to me, that creepy barista dude is staring at us. Sure enough, I turned around and there he was, watching us from behind the glass door of the cafeteria, eyes fixed on me. I got creeped out and told my coworker to just go. I tried not to think about it the whole day, and the feeling of uneasiness eventually disappeared. As we clocked out, my coworker told me, Do you want me to walk back with you? I replied no because I didn't want to be a burden to him and thought that the barista was harmless unless I actually walked in, which I didn't plan to do. Boy, I was wrong. As I passed the godforsaken place to go back to the underground for the last time ever, I tried not to go in his general direction. Big mistake. Sure enough, I heard a voice behind me, an angry whisper, full of hatred. Why did you not come in today? I froze, and sure enough, it was the barista standing behind me in the street. 
there wasn't a person around. I was dumbfounded that he had just plain walked out, leaving it unintended, just to come after me. His eyes were narrow, and he stared at me, standing just a few feet away. Why didn't you come? Is it because you don't like me? You fucking bitch! At this point, I wasn't really thinking of my actions. I just heard my own voice bellow. Leave me alone, or I'm gonna call the cops on you. And then I just turned around and started speed walking towards the underground station, my heart ramming in my chest. He didn't give up just then, and started after me, repeating, Why don't you come in? Do you not like me? I thought you did. You lied to me. This dude was nuts. He was following me, not caring about leaving his fucking workplace unattended. I started running as soon as I reached the stairs to the lower level of the underground. Keep in mind, these were the dead hours, so almost everyone was still at work, and the underground was empty. It wasn't a major underground to begin with. As I descended lower and reached the platform, I never once looked back. I had my phone ready to dial emergency services. On the platform, I finally looked back into the darkness and realized I couldn't see him anymore. There was just a couple of people waiting for the train, and no one really noticed how shocked I was. After a few seconds, the train arrives and I basically jump in, turning around to look out the window just before the doors close. Sure enough, the barista was there, on the platform, glaring at me. He didn't move, even when the train started slowly leaving. I never went back to that place again. Luckily, I didn't even need to, because my office is totally in a different place. I'm just glad that he wasn't able to locate me in time, and God only knows. Probably he wasn't familiar with the underground, or falling behind me because I was actually running for my life. But sometimes, I think of what would have happened if I gave him my true information, instead of a fake name and fake workplace. What if the train didn't come in time? I used to live in apartments a few blocks from the beach, off the main streets, in a beachside city in California. A new whiskey bar opened up downtown, and my neighbor's daughters invited me to go with them and check it out. We had a great time, maybe a little too great of a time, and around 2 in the morning we decided to head home. We weren't wasted, but all three of us were definitely drunk. I requested a walk home, since we were only about a mile and a half away, and I was feeling too dizzy to take an Uber. It was also fairly easy to get home, as we only had to walk a block up from where we were to be back on the main thoroughfare I lived on. The entire walk home was well lit along a busy thoroughfare with cars passing regularly even at 2am. My friends agreed to walk home as they were both feeling tipsy and we all felt the walk would help sober us up a bit. We were walking along, laughing, about halfway home when one of my friends quietly says, stay calm and don't look but there's someone following us. We immediately shut up, but keep walking. My friend quietly tells us that he has been following us for about a few minutes. She had been waiting to tell us because she wasn't certain that he was following us. A few minutes later, and we were all 100% sure that this guy had been following us, and we were about to get home soon. The entire time the creepster is following us, he maintains the same distance about 100 feet back. We can't see him enough to identify what he looks like, and we're afraid to call the cops because we aren't sure what he will do if he thought he saw us calling the cops. The cops wouldn't have had enough time to show up and find this guy that they can't identify. We're almost to the apartment and discussing our options. 
We know that we didn't want to lead this guy back to where we live. He may decide at a later date to come back. Calling the police is still out because he's near enough to see what we are doing. Everyone is asleep and my friends don't live there and still have to get back to their car so they can get home. We decide to keep walking past my apartment and then turn down the street going down the opposite block to mine. As soon as we know that we're out of sight of the creeper, we bolt down the next corner and take off running as fast as we can to get as far down the street as we can. Our intent was to make a loop back to the apartment without the creep seeing where we went. At this point, we don't know if he saw what street we went down. We wanted to make sure that he wasn't still on the main street, so we ducked behind a car towards the end of the street and waited. Maybe 30 seconds goes by and I pop up to check the end of the street from the direction we came from. Sure enough, the creep is at the end of the street looking around to see where we went and he seems out of breath from running. He does not see me. I tell my friends and we take off down to the end of the street and around the block as we are now close enough to my apartment that we can just run in and the man won't have enough time to catch up and see where we went. Shaking and terrified, we collapsed onto my couches and waited an hour or two to make sure this guy would have truly gone before my friends went home. We felt very fortunate that our friend caught this guy following us as soon as she did. It was really scary to know that the cops wouldn't have gotten there in time and that a lone man was willing to take on three of us. We didn't call him out for following us because we figured that anyone crazy enough to follow three chicks at one time probably was up to no good and was not going to be worried about us noticing. We feel very fortunate that nothing happened to us that night. Edit. I did offer my friends to stay on my couch that night, but they wanted to go home and sleep in their own beds. As we were all sober by the time they left, I didn't push them to stay. I walk a mile and a half every day after I work out. I'm gradually increasing the distance, but for now I use the distance between two streetlights, one mile, on a major street nearby my home to mark my progress. I haven't had any issues or anything other than the unavoidable honks or hey pretty lady. Today however, I was coming up to complete the mile when I began passing an empty parking lot. No one has ever parked in this parking lot other than resting truck drivers and on-duty police officers. Today, the only occupant was a creepy looking man in a small two-door car that was positioned in the entrance as if he was planning on pulling out onto the street. I politely waved him and walked past the front of his car, continuing my usual stride. I hit the mile mark and turned around to walk the half distance to make it a mile and a half. As I passed by the lot next to the empty one, I saw the same creep pulling out of that lot. I thought it was odd, but I just made a mental note out of the abnormality and continued on. I was heading back, finishing up my walk, about to pass the empty lot for the last time, when the creep was in the same spot, looking like he was trying to pull out, except this time through the full volume music in my headphones, I heard him yell something in my direction. I made a habit of ignoring stuff like that, so I just focused on getting home without being seen the whole way. I made sure to study the car in his face well enough to recall if I needed to later. As my mind did that, I realized there was another man walking in the lot in the same direction as me, smirking, chuckling, and cautiously looking out of the corner of his eye. He looked like he was contemplating where to go, but I felt like he was doing that walk where you're waiting for your friend to catch up to you, so you slightly look back but still keep going forward. I unfortunately knew that there was no crowded places nearby, so I needed to juke them out somehow. 
I walked into my gated community that, for some dumb reason, keeps the gates open 24-7. I walked behind the buildings furthest away from my own. I had hoped that it looked like I had walked into the back door of the furthest building. I circled around the back of the property and power walked to my door. I put the code in as fast as lightning and got in. I had made it in, but something told me to make sure I was in the clear. I looked out my living room window, and creep number two was aimlessly wandering our parking lot, looking around clearly without a destination. I pulled out my phone and pressed record right before he, to my horror, slowly approached the building I had first walked behind and tried the front door. He obviously didn't have the code, so he wandered slowly for a few more minutes before exiting the premises. I never saw where the first creep in the car actually went, or whether they were associated with each other, but I'm definitely taking a break from showing my face for a few days, and I'm also getting a weapon. For context, I was 16 at the time, and this was two years ago. I lived on a dimly lit road where crime occurred often. Well, my younger sisters, 15 and 13, had thrown a small party for the 15-year-old's birthday in May. There were maybe six people. So as it gets to be around 2 in the morning, people either start leaving or stay the night. There was this one girl, we'll call her Liz, whose mom needed her to be home, but didn't have a car to pick her up. My mom was already asleep, and none of us could drive, so I decided to walk Liz home, as she lived in the apartments near my trailer. I put a pocket knife in my jacket pocket, and Liz and I started our six-minute walk. Everything was going pretty good until I dropped her off. I live on a dim-lit street, and I watch a lot of horror, so I was paranoid as is. That didn't get any better when I noticed a blue car following me slowly, with its headlights off. I had a bad feeling, so I called my friend. While I was on the phone with my friend, I started walking faster and telling her my situation. Well, the car got too close for my liking. So I started running. It picks up speed too. Halfway down the road, I ran into both my younger sisters and we walk home together. When we got home, I asked why they came. Turns out my mom woke up from a nightmare that I was hurt and told them to come get me so I could be safe. I honestly don't know what would have happened to me if they hadn't come, but it was terrifying. I'm from a small town, the kind where you are in the same class with the same kids from preschool to graduation. I was never popular and had my fair share of bullies, but never as bad as this one kid in my class, Max. He was on the shorter side and had these little round glasses with his hair slicked to the side. He was right out of a movie cast as a stereotypical nerd. He kept to himself and didn't really interact with others if he could avoid it. Fast forward to 8th grade, when we were paired as lab partners and had to sit at the same table together every day for the entire year. I considered myself a nice person and always went out of my way to make sure I wasn't rude to people, especially people who haven't done anything to deserve it. So of course, I was friendly and happy to be his partner as long as he did the fair share of the work. The year came and went. He was shy but polite and we got along fine being partners. Ninth grade started and I had a lot of troubles at home with my birth father, so I chose to move in with my mother a few towns over. It was only about 30 minutes away, but I had to start at a completely new school a month into my freshman year, and it was scary. 
I may have not been popular in my last school, but I have several friends whom I loved and missed dearly. My mom would often drive me to the other town to see my friends and hang out, and I also started to make new friends at my new school. It was a good setup, and it continued this way until I was 16 and I could drive myself. I had never heard anything from Max, and honestly, I kind of forgot about him. That was until my junior year of high school. I started casually seeing this guy, Jack, from my hometown, and he asked me to go to prom with him. I was excited and happy to say yes and get to spend the night with him and my friends from my childhood. A couple months before the prom, my mother told me that there was a new lady at her job and she was asking about me because her grandson was seeing me and she wanted a picture so she could put a face to the name. My mother knew Jack and knew that this wasn't his grandmother so she asked for the name and wouldn't you know it, it was Max. My mother showed her a picture of me that she had on her desk and the lady went on her way. A few weeks later, she asked for the color of the prom dress so that she would know what to get Max, so that he could match. My mom was confused but told her it was pink. Two weeks later before prom, some of my friends from our hometown told me that Max had been telling some people that they were going to dance together and that he was so excited. I thought this was creepy, but I didn't put too much thought into it. The night of the prom, I picked up Jack and we headed over to the school only to find Max and his grandmother waiting outside the entrance because she wanted to take pictures of us before we went in. I was not one to disappoint people, so I politely took a couple pictures with him as my actual date stood off to the side and waited. If Max's grandmother was confused that I had another date, she didn't show it. The rest of the night went smoothly and Jack and I had a great time. We didn't see Max anymore, and I assumed that he left. Other than his grandmother telling my mom that he had lost my number and trying to get it for him, which my mom thankfully didn't do, I didn't hear much from him until I graduated. I went to a state college, and I had heard that he had gotten into a well-respected private university. Everything was fine for the first few weeks of college, and then I ran into him. He caught me on the way to one of my classes one day. I was polite and asked him if he was a student here too, which he was, and I chatted with him for a minute before hurrying off to a class. It was a relatively harmless interaction, but still creeped me out a bit since I knew he had gotten into that other school and wondered why he chose to go to a state college. For the next few months, I ran into him almost daily. He always wanted to talk and never seemed to be with anyone else. I found out from some girls in my dorm that he had been hanging around asking about me and trying to figure out what my class schedule and where I would be and when. He also told them that he was my boyfriend and that he passed up a scholarship to another college to come here and be with me instead. They figured out that he was lying since they never saw us for long periods of time together or him up in the rooms with me, so they stopped answering his questions. I left at the end of the semester to move home and take classes at a nearby school. I didn't tell him, obviously. The following year, I got married to my boyfriend from my senior year of high school. Dumb, I know. Anyway, we were in his small town, which is in the same county as my hometown. While walking around and enjoying ourselves, I see Max staring at us from the end of the block. It was the first time I had been generally fearful of him, as the look in his face was nothing short of hatred. I tried to ignore him and went about my night, seeing him a few more times, always with that same look on his face. The next few years passed, with me hearing nothing from him at all. I didn't even know if he still lived around the area or not. 
I found out a little while after that he did when I started working in a clothing store in town. He would stop in and sit in that dad chair next to the door for all the guys to hang out while their people shopped. I mentioned it to my manager because of our history and the fact that he would stare at me constantly while sitting there. But he always came in with a girl. I later found out that it was his sister, so they didn't think too much of it. He never spoke to me, just stared. When I was in my mid-twenties, I moved to a city in my home state, but several hours away from the small town. I am 30 now, and doing well in life. Other than a Facebook friend request, which I rejected, I haven't heard from him, and I hope it stays that way. This took place when I was 19. I'm 28 now. I was in college and working as a bartender at a little country bar far out from the city. This place was also supposed to be 21 and older, only because there were a few gambling machines right along the bar. But the rules were, if anyone asked, you just turned 21. For the most part, I loved my job and loved the money. After a few weeks, I came in at 8pm to start my shift and there was already a pretty good crowd on a weeknight. I make my rounds and see an attractive guy and his beer is empty, so I ask him if he needed another. He immediately sparks up a conversation with me. I found out he's 28, a paralegal, has a dog, etc. He finishes his new beer and leaves me a $20 tip with a rose he made out of a bar napkin. This continued nightly for about a week and we eventually exchanged phone numbers. I ended up letting him know that I wasn't 21 just in case things progressed and he said he didn't mind, blah blah blah. He would come into the bar nightly, text me after he left and the following days until he came back into the bar that night. About two weeks go by and I take a long weekend to go out of town around three hours away. It was St. Patrick's Day weekend so my friends and I went to go party of course. The guy, we'll call him Patrick, that's convenient was continuing to text me, but I never let him know that I was going anywhere. Things weren't serious to me. I never hung out with him outside of my work shifts, so what's there to tell? I then get a phone call from one of the girls at work telling me that there's a guy that will not stop asking where I am and when I'm going to come into work. Turns out, it's Patrick. Immediate red flags to me, but I didn't want them to deal with the drama, so I text him letting him know that I'll be back on Sunday leaving out the fact that I'll be back and going straight to work that evening because I honestly didn't want him to know that I'd be at the bar. He continues to text me all weekend and I respond to keep the peace. I show up to work this Sunday to a new bouncer the owner hired. I can't tell you why but I had this feeling so I spill everything to the new bouncer about Patrick just in case he showed up. After a few hours pass, two guys come in and sit down. I stare at them for a moment and then realize that they're two guys that Patrick had been in there with. I ask them if they want anything and they just ask for water. Soon enough, after I notice one of them had made a phone call, here comes Patrick in the door. I immediately shoot the bouncer a look and he catches my drift. Patrick sits down and I keep the convo short and get him his beer. He watches every single move I make. They eventually get up and go to the pool table and jukebox. Next thing I know, brown eyed girl is playing. I have brown eyes of course. Patrick is standing there smiling at me. The song is over and I tell the bouncer to watch the bar for me. I needed to step out and smoke a cigarette in the back because I was having a panic attack. 
I left the back door open so I could watch the bar for any new customers. The next thing I know, The Kill by 30 Seconds to Mars is playing. And I'm like, you forgot to be fucking kidding me. The bouncer comes to the door and is asking me for more details about this guy and about the situation. Here comes Patrick storming towards us. So he's why you're not interested anymore? Literally starts a scene, going on about how he's heartbroken and can't believe I could do this to him. I'm just standing there smoking another cigarette, watching this crazy unfold on this guy. The bouncer finally gets him out, and after a few minutes, I felt like I could breathe and go on with my night. It's now 3am, so we started to clean up, and the bouncer goes to take out the trash. He comes in and locks the door, and tells me that Patrick is in his car in our parking lot, but not to worry, because he'll walk me to my car, and tells me not to go straight home just in case Patrick tries to unleash more crazy on me. So I leave, and sure enough in my rear view is a face of the stalker. I decide to go to Sheets and get some breakfast. That's a well-lit, busy place any time of the day, right? I go in and order my food, and here comes Patrick. I keep my back to him, hoping that he'll take the hint, but he comes right up to me and puts his arms around my shoulders. I step to the side, and he just casually laughs and grabs my hand. I honestly can't remember what I said, but something along the lines of, you're a psycho, and he leaves. I pay for my food, no sign of him in the parking lot, and I head to my apartment. I remember being extremely anxious because you had to park across the street, but I made sure that I had my keys ready and everything in my hands to make a run for it. I get inside, lock the door, eat my food, shower and finally lay down. Then I hear it, the doorknob slightly jiggling. I was frozen in fear. I hear it again, this time louder. I went to get up and look through the peephole, but the floor was so loud and squeaky. I took one step and was frozen again. This went on for minutes, and then it just finally stopped. It was going to be daylight soon, so I just laid there until I felt safe. I get a text from Patrick the next day, apologizing for the night before, asking to get lunch, and saying he wants me to meet his mother. I tell him to stop contacting me. I found him on Facebook and went ahead and blocked him, so he couldn't use that way to communicate. The text continued daily for months, with no response from me, and I remember one day I didn't get a text and thought, it's finally over. I then received one text a year until I got a new number, around five years ago, and it would always say the same thing, thinking of you. Luckily I moved away and never ran into him again. I just can't help to think what would have happened if I would have got more serious or went on a date with this guy. Yikes. At the time, I was 26 and shopping at a Target just outside of the city I live in. I wasn't there for much, just to kill time and maybe see the deals that they had on clothes. I bought some clothes from clearance and headed out to my car. As I walked out, I was stopped by a man and a woman. They handed me a flyer and asked if I was religious. I, being polite, took the bait and said not really, but I was raised Catholic. They asked if I wanted to go to their church and that it was a great community and talked about God for a bit. They asked some personal questions that I kind of danced around. I said I would think about it, but got a creepy cult vibe. The flyer they gave me had the name of the church, but nothing else. I say goodbye and head quickly to my car, 
and exited the parking lot. As I'm driving, I noticed a car behind me that had been behind me since I got off the highway. I didn't know how long it had been following me, but I wasn't sure if they were actually following me. The city is dense and it's not uncommon to be heading in the same direction as others. I see the person that is in the driver's seat is an older man with glasses and facial hair. I make a note of this as they continued behind me. I turn on the street before mine without signaling and he continues by. I feel a little stupid and take the next two lefts to get to my street when I see him slowly driving past me. We make eye contact and I'm a little uncomfortable but he again drives by. I keep telling myself, coincidence. I see him turn onto the next street and I park and rush into my apartment, a subdivided row house. I leave my target bag in the car because I'm in a rush. I get upstairs and hear a buzz. Each floor apartment has a buzzer, but no intercom. I'm on the second floor and can't see the door from my vantage point. I debate creeping into the hall and looking down. It could have been a package, and we have package thieves that follow the trucks and steal the packages within minutes. But before I open the door, I hear my dance store's neighbor, a guy around my age, talking. Once the main door shuts, I wait for a minute, and then knock on his door to see who it was. He said that an older man was asking for bus fare. I asked him to describe the man, and it was the same man following me. We realized he had buzzed all the apartments. I assumed to try to get entry. I'm not sure if this was related, but I just had a bad feeling about the couple and their church and think they were related to the guy who followed me, like they scoped me out for something sinister. I googled their church and nothing came up, or at least no church of that name, what they said it was. So I bike about 10 minutes and take the bus to work during the week. I had spent the week with my in-laws, so I didn't have my bike with me last Monday, and I had to walk after the bus got me to the closest stop. It was about a 20-minute walk. Basically, it's all residential and numbered by streets. So I get off on, say, 50th Street to walk to 40th. When I first start walking, there's a black car that was on the other side of the road driving slowly. It pulled off to the right next to someone's driveway. I didn't think much of it and kept on walking. When I got to the next street though, the car is doing it again. I walk faster and try watching out for it. It followed me almost all the way there, finally turning down a side road. I didn't recognize the person in the car, an older man, but now I'm freaking out. I already have agoraphobia and when I bike in the morning, it's dark out there. I can't help but to feel that I was being followed. Trafficking is a known thing here and I'm a female. Someone please tell me what I should do. I need to get to work, but biking and walking is the only thing I can afford right now, and I'm scared of next Monday. It took me years to even tell my parents about this because I felt if I told people, it would make the encounter more real because it's the scariest, creepiest thing that's ever happened to me in almost my 30 years of life. In 2007, my family took a long weekend trip to Chicago. I was 15 and my brother was 18. We're from Michigan, so we took the train from Holland to Chicago. On the last day of the trip, we got to the train station to head home. We found an area to sit down and wait for about an hour or so until the train was leaving. 
I asked my mom if I can go to the platform that our train would be leaving from. She said no. I begged her to let me, and she finally said yes. Off I went. I walked down and found the platform, took a couple pictures of the train station, and just turned around to walk back to where my family was. All of a sudden, I felt a grip on my arm and immediately winced in pain. Half of me expected to turn around and find my brother playing a prank on me, but when I turned, I saw a man that I'd never seen before. I still remember his face, weathered, angry, and I guess he was in his mid to late 50s. He had a brown jacket and a red t-shirt with a baseball hat. He stood there looking at me, gripping my arm tighter and tighter, and I felt frozen. Everything they taught me as a kid about being kidnapped, like run, kick, scream, to draw attention to the situation went out the window. I felt like I couldn't scream, I couldn't move. I literally was just so scared, I felt like I couldn't do anything. He looked at me and just mouthed, shh, and gripped my arm tighter and started walking away with me in the opposite direction of my family. I pulled my arm away, still not being able to scream, and he gripped my arm again. Thankfully, something washed over me. I'm assuming a rush of adrenaline because I ripped my arm away and started running away. To this day, I feel like I ran faster than I've ever ran in my life. I felt like my legs weren't even touching the ground. I never even turned back once to see if he was following me or not. I ran and jumped into my brother's lap. I looked up just in time to see him come into the area my family was, pretend to look at a broken vending machine, and then turn and walk away. I woke up the next morning with bruises all over my arm where he grabbed me. This happened to my best friend about a year ago. We were both 18 at the time. My friend and I are female, about 5'3", and 100 to 115 pounds, so we are easy targets. My friend and I went to the lake one day with a group of friends. We were hanging out at the beach, playing cornhole, and listening to music. After a few hours, my friend had to leave because she had to work. I asked her if she wanted me to walk her to the car, and she said no. A few minutes later, she called me, and this is the story she told me. She got to her car with no issue. Before she left, she was on her phone when she heard a knock on the driver's side window. A white trash middle-aged woman was standing right outside her car, asking her to roll her window down. My friend was a little startled, so she cracked the window slightly and asked the woman, Can I help you? The woman told her that she needed help with her car and had jumper cables and asked my friend if she could walk with her and give her a hand. Of course, my friend told her that she wouldn't be much help, and she was not strong enough, and didn't know much about cars. The woman begged her to help her, and she said, My car is right behind those trees, and pointed to an area that was completely empty. There was no car. My friend told her that she needed to go, because she would be late for work. The woman put her hand on my friend's window, and aggressively said, No, you need to come with me. My friend threw the car in reverse and gunned it out of the parking lot. As she was driving, she looked in the direction of where the woman was pointing and saw a large man hiding behind one of the trees. We suspected that the woman was watching her and then tried to lure her there so the man could grab her. They were most likely a team of sex traffickers. I've heard many people say that they use women to go up to girls because they are less sketchy. We have went to that lake several times after, and we have never experienced anything like that again. Anyways, 
Stay safe out there. I hope my friend and I will never come in contact with that woman again. I'm a 23-year-old female. I was at the gym just doing cardio on the treadmill. It was pretty empty, not very many people there on a Thursday at noon. I always use the treadmill right in front of the mirrors so I could pay attention to my surroundings like a safe young woman. I was on a treadmill two away from the end and all of them were empty except for one on the opposite end of where I was. This man gets on the treadmill right next to me, which is weird, but okay. I have my headphones in and I'm watching Criminal Minds. Every so often I would look up in the mirrors just to check my surroundings and every time I look up this man was staring at me. Around the 37th minute of my 45 minute plan cardio, he drops his phone on the side of the treadmill closest to me. I was watching in the mirror and he basically threw it down next to me. He gets off the treadmill, picks up his phone, and then taps me on the shoulder. Now, I never took out my headphones, so I couldn't clearly hear what he was saying. He introduced himself, I never caught his name, and then asked me what my name was. I gave him a fake one. He then said something else, but I couldn't hear him because Derek Morgan got into a shootout. I just nodded and returned to my show, clearly uninterested in whatever he had to say. At this point, I only had five minutes left, and every time I looked up in the mirror, he was staring at me. I finished my workout and went to the stretching area near the treadmills, still in front of the mirrors. I also took a glance on how long he had been on the treadmill, and it was something like 8 minutes, so not actually long enough to be a real workout, or honestly, even a warm-up. When I moved to the stretching area, he moved to the closest machine and was still staring at me. I started counting his sets and reps, so in the middle of his next set, I got up and left thinking this would give me enough time to get to my car and leave before I even noticed I was gone. I got to my car, sat down, turned it on, grabbed my seatbelt, and as I was about to click it into place, my passenger door opened. I yelled, Don't fucking touch my car! and pulled out of the parking spot with both doors wide open. I always backed into my parking spots because I saw something online from the police saying it was the safest thing to do, and I'm constantly worried about my safety. I drove about a mile down the road with my passenger side door open. The next day I went into the gym to report him, but like I said, I never got his name. And the gym didn't want to look at the cameras with me there, and said once they figured out who it was, they would talk to him. Which didn't really feel like they were going to do anything about the situation. So next week I canceled my membership, and I've never been back. My mom was always very cautious about bad things that could happen to her children. She would take all three of us, my brother, sister, and I, to school in the morning as she worked close to the same time that the school started. I had been begging her to let me ride my bike to school since I got a new bike for my birthday a few months earlier. She finally agreed. I was in 7th grade, so 12 or 13 years old, and I'm female. My school was about a 2-3 to three minute drive away and around a 10 minute bike ride. I was eager to ride my new bike to school as I had just got a new helmet and a bike lock to go with it. School started around 8.30 to 9ish, so I left around 8. I liked to hang out with my friends before school started, so I would always go a little earlier. The route to school was pretty much a straight line, down one main road in my city. 
Now, it's 8 o'clock in the morning, so it's relatively bright outside. And again, I'm on a well-populated main road around the time everyone is heading to work or school. So about halfway to the school, I decide to cross the street, but not a crosswalk or a traffic light. Just kind of jaywalking, or jaybiking if you will. As I'm stopped in someone's driveway, looking both ways to cross, I notice a black car pull to my left and park on the side of the road. It's a two-door Honda Civic type looking car, from what I remember, and all the windows were tinted. I didn't think much of it. The only thing that crossed my mind is maybe I was blocking him from getting to his driveway, so I continued on trying to cross the street. From the corner of my eye, I see a man, dressed in all black with his hood pulled up, on the side of his face. He gets out of the driver's side and walks around the back of the car to the passenger side. And before I get a chance to realize what's happening, he opens the passenger side door and is pulling me by my arm off my bike in an attempt to pull me into his car. And what felt like forever, it was like every car in the street had disappeared. All signs of help was completely gone. One of the busiest streets in the city felt like a gravel road in the middle of nowhere with nothing to be seen for miles. It also felt like one of those awful nightmares where you try to scream but nothing comes out. So you're just silently suffering until you finally wake up. But it was real. I couldn't scream. I can't explain the feeling any better than a nightmare and not being able to wake up from it. These things didn't really happen in my city so I wasn't really prepared for what to do in a situation like this. So the first thing that came to my mind is, I aimed for the nuts. I shifted my weight to my right leg and kicked him as hard as I possibly could with my left. I landed the kick, which I recall actually hurt my ankle a bit, so I could only imagine what it felt like on the receiving end. And he instantly let go. I didn't even look before I crossed the street, biking as fast as I possibly could. I remember trying to turn around to see the license plate, but my eyes were watery from the tears streaming down from them, and it still felt like making any noise was impossible. I knew my mom would have been at work by now, so I just continued biking to school, silently crying the entire way. I pulled into the schoolyard and dropped my bike. I didn't care to even lock it or ever ride it anywhere again, frankly. My school's front doors are locked 24-7, and you had to ring a doorbell to get in, so I did exactly that. The secretary reminded me that I still had time to play outside before class started, and that's when I finally began to speak again. I need to call my mom, I screamed. The door opened instantly. I explained what happened to the secretary, then the principal, my mom, and finally the police, who I refused to talk to until I spoke with my mom. The police arrived to my school shortly after and took my statement. Then I went to the station after school to make another with my mom. A business across the street from where this happened had video surveillance, but it only captured the bottom six inches of the guy's car pulling up, his footsteps around the back of his car, and then pulling away shortly after. Basically no solid leads on who this prick was. A guy with the same body description and car description went on to attempt to kidnap three other girls, but was never caught. I don't believe in God, but I do pray that he was never successful. I met Sean when we were in the same 6th grade class in 2001. We hardly spoke and he was even mildly bullied due to his learning disability and awkwardness. He left school the next year and I never thought anything of him. 
In 2005, I received an MSN request from him and accepted. He asked me out on a date, claiming that he always had a crush on me. I wasn't too alarmed and even flattered that he remembered me after all those years. The date was terrible and uncomfortable. He would constantly try to grab and kiss me, resulting in me telling him I wasn't interested in dating him and his behavior was inappropriate. He apologized and we became friends, but I kept him at a semi-safe distance. For years, he would ask me out and consistently try to grope me whenever I was around him, which was rarely. After I finally cut him off, he began showing up at my work, and then the blackmail started. Sean claimed I owed him money for things that didn't exist, and demanded instead of money, I send him nudes. At this point, I was in a serious relationship with my now wife. I blocked him on everything after this, and while demanding nudes, he also claimed that he wanted to move in with my wife and I, and donate his sperm to us. A few months later, he had been completely radio silent. I had a pretty wicked operation that left me bedridden for months, as they inserted rods into both my legs, thus unable to walk for six weeks. One night shortly after my surgery, my best friend was over at my house. She was supposed to go home, but instead ended up staying that night, as I was home alone and she wanted to make sure I was okay. At around midnight, my front door, which was locked, opened and Sean starts to walk into my basement where I was recovering. He was in absolute shock when he saw my friend sitting there. What the fuck are you doing here? My friend got up and started yelling at him, and he ran out of the house like a bat out of hell. I never heard from him ever again, on anything. After he left, my friend turned to me and said, What if I wasn't here? I don't want to know. I'm a 21-year-old female, and my roommate is a 20-year-old female. We live in the apartment on the bottom floor of the complex. For a long time, we had no issues at the apartment, other than slow maintenance, until our seventh month residing, and then we believe we gained a stalker. The first incident happened when my roommate was on vacation. On her last day, she told me that she'd be coming home that night, or in the morning, so I left the front door unlocked and forgot to lock the back door. Around 4am, I was up watching TV when I heard the bedroom door creak slightly open, to which my dog let out a growl, and then it closed. At first I didn't think much of it, I was used to my roommate opening her door to check on me and thought my roommate was just getting home. I woke my boyfriend up and he went out to go see if she got home. To my surprise she wasn't home yet and the blinds to the back door were swinging back and forth as if someone had just closed it really fast. The second incident occurred not long after the first. My bedroom has a window that someone could stand in front of outside. During the day, I leave my blinds open to let the natural light in, and occasionally I leave the blinds open during the night because I have trouble waking up without the lights coming in. It was around 5am and I was up with insomnia watching TV. Out of the corner of my eye, I saw a man standing there, staring in. I had no idea how long he was standing there. I scream, Oh God, there's a person! My boyfriend runs outside and tries to get a glimpse of them. The guy just runs off. The next day I file a police report and the police start sitting outside the apartment during the general hours of the incident. A month goes by, no more incidents, until Mother's Day. At around noon, I left to go to my mom's, taking my dog with me. 
I specifically remember cleaning that morning. And when I clean, I make sure every item's in its place. A few hours go by and my roommate FaceTimes me and asks me why I left the barstool outside. I knew for a fact I didn't and I asked her to show me where the barstool was. She turned the camera and showed me and it dawned on me. The barstool was directly in front of her window, which is higher up. My roommate hadn't locked the back door after taking the dog out for a pee, but she had locked her bedroom door since she was taking a nap. The assumption is he came inside, tried to open her door, was unsuccessful, and took the chair outside to try to look in that way. There are no more incidents after that that I know of, and I currently still live here. This happened 18 years ago, before I had access to a cell phone and the internet. When I was 15, I walked from the hospital alone to a bus stop. I knew I had at least a 15 minute wait and didn't look forward to it. A man in his 30s started walking beside me. He was uncomfortably close, but I was young and thanks to my upbringing, I avoided conflict with adults like a plague. So I decided not to offend him and just bear with it, telling myself that he's just walking in the same direction, and he was but not to take the bus, as I soon found out later. Once at the bus stop, where we were all alone, the guy started talking to me, opening with questions about the bus schedule, which was on the display behind him. I stayed rather passive in conversation, only giving polite nods and yes or no's where it's expected. And he probably liked it, because he perked up and entered almost a manic-like state of happiness, talking about his life and job and everything. Gradually, he started talking about how he was unable to find a girlfriend and how he's watching his neighbors who slighted him and writing everything down to get them later. He had a good chuckle after that. The alarm went off in my head at that. The bus was now approaching and it became clear that I was going to board the bus, but he was not. He snatched my ticket before I got my wits about me and I thought he was going to destroy it to prevent me from boarding, but no. He wrote his phone number and gave it back to me with attitude of benevolent generosity. I boarded the bus and thought I had seen the last of him, but no. Weeks later, he boarded the same bus as me. He immediately approached me and casually asked me whether I was going to school. Having my backpack on me and not being used to lying, I said, yes, I am. He asked me, are you going to university? I gave him an awkward look and said, I'm 15. He seemed surprised, but not about my age. He thought he had given me a compliment, because apparently, being older is what everyone in high school is craving. I got off the bus at the next stop, but that's not where my school was. He didn't follow me, but another passenger that overheard our conversation told me, you shouldn't be talking to men like this. I don't know what he meant, and he certainly was the same age as that one, so I just mumbled something and went off. A week later, the creep stood in front of my school waiting for me, all dressed up. I saw him before I walked out the door, and a chill went down my spine. I didn't know what to do, so I fetched the school director and told him about my encounter. He went out and dealt with a man, and thankfully, he must have got the message, because I've never seen him again. Only years later, I understood that he must have stalked me ever since we walked to the bus, probably checked the schedule and rode it for weeks to get another chance encounter. Later, detected where my school was. Most likely wanted to manipulate a child into a relationship since he wasn't able to initiate one with an adult woman and was convinced that he was going to be successful 